Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Joshua. We'll be reading chapter 20. And if you'd like to follow along in your pew Bibles, you can find us on page 165. Joshua chapter 20, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Tell the Israelites to designate the cities of refuge, as I instructed you through Moses, so that anyone who kills a person accidentally and unintentionally may flee there and find protection from the avenger of blood. When he flees to one of these cities, he is to stand in the entrance of the city gate and state his case before the elders of that city. Then they are to admit him into their city and give him a place to live with them. If the avenger of blood pursues him, they must not surrender the one accused, because he killed his neighbor unintentionally and without malice aforethought. He is to stay in that city until he has stood trial before the assembly and until the death of the high priest who is serving at that time. Then he may go back to his own home in the town from which he fled. So they set apart Kadesh in Galilee, in the hill country of Naphtali, Shechem in the hill of country of Ephraim, and Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the hill country of Judah. On the east side of the Jordan of Jericho, they designated Bezer in the desert on the plateau in the, in the tribe of Reuben, Ramoth in Gilead in the tribe of Gad, and Golan in Bashan in the tribe of Manasseh. Any of the Israelites or any alien living among them who killed someone accidentally could flee to these designated cities and not be killed by the avenger of blood prior to standing trial before the assembly. This is God's word. So happy for me to be here to worship with you and also to share God's word. I probably speak, talk too much in the, uh, on the first floor with the kids, clearing my throat a little bit. Please, please pardon me. Uh, are we switching over? And uh, last month, during the pastoral staff meeting, I gave a briefing about, you know, children ministry, especially we just finished uh, one year of Awana. And I mentioned that, oh, this year's Awana, we went uh, rather smoothly. And we didn't kind of appreciate it until we compare with a year ago. Now, a year ago when we had Awana, one time, it was reported that the men's room, the store door, was broken by two Awana kids. And after we found that out, and the commander checked with all the older boys, older kids, and said, who did it? Please confess, and we will have forgiveness. Do you think they would come forward? If you are as optimistic as myself, 
then you are wrong. Nobody came forward. But later on, a boy came talk to me. I saw those two kids did it. And I got the names. So I have to follow up and visited those two kids' parents. They admitted it. We also extended forgiveness to them. A week later, another kid came and reported to me. Somebody put the whole roll of tissue paper into the toilet bowl. And it's not in the women's room, it's in the men's room, of course. So I quickly went in there. Before that roll got melted and get into the toilet bowl, I quickly picked it up. Get rid of it. And again, we asked, who did it? Do you think there were any confession? If you were as optimistic as I am, you are wrong. But again, somebody, another kid, saw who did it, reported to me. I was rather disappointed. It was the kid that I just visited. One of the two. I just gave him a stern warning, and the next day, next week, he did it again. So I gave a harsher warning, and the parents were very good about it. And of course, uh, there were others. But there were quite a number of such events but this past Awana year, things went extremely smoothly. And after I shared that, Pastor Chuck told me that I should share this with the English congregation. So this is my opportunity to tell you that. Uh, they are still working on it. I just want to make sure. Can somebody who know about this place uh, help me out a little bit? I'm not getting power. All right. Okay, we'll just move on. And uh, it has been a privilege for me to serve with the children. It has been a lot of uh, difficulties, but a lot of joy as well. And... uh, And I also really appreciate children ministry, there is only one key after all. The key is if we have enough human resources. Without human resources help, we can manage all the children, and children will get wild, teachers get frustrated, burn out, and then we have fewer teachers, we have more problems. But the past two years, We are very appreciative 
to have so many volunteers helping us. Now, I won't be able to show you this slide. Um, let me use a backup plan. Can you take this and take over and help me advance? Not only a lot of adults who are helping out, but also last year we have four college students. And one of them graduated, and I thought I would lose uh, one key co-worker. I prayed for her. Lo and behold, she found a job. She found a job in Boston area. And she told me, King Fire, I'd like to continue to work with the children. In fact, I would like to work not only one quarter, not only two quarters. I would like to work throughout the year, four quarters. I was very touched by her. Next slide, please. And if you go onto our church website, cbcgb.org, and go to Children Ministry, and you can click on uh, ministry opportunity, you'll see something like this. We are preparing for the next school year, and these are the openings. 42, if you can count quickly. We have 42 openings. We already have 175 co-workers committed. That's a lot of people. But we still have 42. Now, if we have 10 people like this college student who just graduated, then we don't need 42. We just need 10 or 11. However, it's hard to commit for the whole school year. So if some of us are willing to serve just one quarter, then we need 42. On the right-hand column, you can see this is for during second session. And at the top, we have the Philly Special Care Program. A few months ago, we have a, a, a kid, 11-year-old, join us. When he was born, because of mistake by doctor or whoever, he did not have oxygen for a period of time. And so he ended up having some developmental problem, physically as well as mentally. He's 11-year-old, but he looks like a 6-year-old boy. He's extremely smart, and I can imagine if he did not have that, you know, missing oxygen for uh, during his birth, how smart he would be. But because he's joining us, we look for four Philly teachers, two for session one, for half a year, and two for session two, also each one for half a year. We found two. We still have two openings. But of course, session two is doing English worship. However, if anyone here is burdened to work with Philly children, let me know. I can arrange you for session one and then do some teacher rejuggling. So that's a possibility. Anyway, so uh, this is an advertisement, and I welcome... Many of you will join with children ministry. Next slide. With that, let us begin with a word of prayer. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to worship you in this nice place, especially during such hot weather, humid days. We are in an air-conditioned room. We think of many who are less fortunate than we are, and many who might even be in a developing country and going through the heat and the bugs in some outdoor places. And Father, help us to be thankful on one hand and learn to be compassionate and merciful on the other hand. Today, as we talk about Joshua 20, cities of refuge, it is a scheme to provide and extend mercy and grace and forgiveness and help us to learn this lesson together from your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Next slide. You're probably all very familiar with this particular picture or a version of it. George Zimmerman. A year ago, he killed a black boy. Perhaps the black boy was, shouldn't be around that neighborhood. Or perhaps George Zimmerman was overzealous, but ended up that boy lost his life. And there was a big trial. And the trial ended a week ago. But questions linger on. During the trial, especially when the jury have to decide whether he is guilty, these are five questions presented to the jurors. Who screamed in the 911 call? Who was the one on top? There was a neighbor who saw two people fighting, one on top, perhaps wearing something lighter color, perhaps red. The one at the bottom wears something black. But he can't be sure who is who. And then according to Zimmerman, after he fired the gun, he put Martin's arm kind of flat. Why? But according to the neighbor who actually took a picture, the hand positions are different, the arm positions are different. Did Zimmerman lie? Number four, did he act in self-defense? And finally, did Zimmerman act with ill will, hatred, spite, or evil content? Now, all these are difficult questions because witnesses from the prosecutors and witnesses for the defense, totally opposite. In the end, the jurors acquitted him. But after the verdict, more questions, more problems. Protests and riots happened in many cities, over a hundred. Our president, he chimed in. Trayvon Martin could have been me 35 years ago. 
Is he helping the situation or is he making it worse? But one thing I'm sure, he is being honest. Many blacks have to live through such close monitoring suspicion. The state's trial ended, but now there might be possible federal civil rights charges against Zimmerman. Others look into changing the law, the stand-your-ground law in 20-some states. Some would think that such law are encouraging revenge rather than avoiding contention. Finally, even if there are no further charges against Zimmerman, he will likely have to live in hiding. When he walk around, he probably have to put on a mask. What kind of life is that? Many unanswered questions, but let's turn to this particular passage, Joshua 20. I find Joshua 20 rather concise and ahead of his time. Think about it. Probably around 3,500 years ago, God's word, God instituted this cities of refuge. And there are six things in these brief nine verses. The first three verses, I call it God making a proposition. Secondly, talk about admission to these cities. Talk about the protection extended to these people, and then talk about the due process. Finally, talk about the destinations of such cities, and talk about equality, equal, uh, uh, legal equality among men. 3,500 3, years ago. Let's look into it. Next slide. Now, I know the English congregation seldom read the Bible together. Uh, you know, uh, usually the presider read it. But I'd like to invite you to read it together with me. Ready, go. Then... The Lord said to Joshua, Tell the Israelites to designate the cities of refuge, as I instructed you through Moses, so that anyone who kills a person accidentally and unintentionally may flee there and find protection from the avenger of blood. These are the key words. The proposition is to designate n number of cities. And they are called cities of refuge. And these cities are for those killers who did it accidentally and also unintentionally. Now, if Zimmerman lived in Joshua's time, after that happening, he probably would run for his life to one of these cities to seek protection. Without these cities, people have nowhere else to go. Verse 4, let's read it. When they flee to one of these cities, they are to stand in the entrance of the city gates 
and state their case before the elders of that city. Then the elders are to admit the fugitive into their city and provide a place to live among them. The admission criteria is very simple. Anyone can go to such cities and stand in the entrance of the city gate and state their case. That's it. They don't have to prove anything. As long as they stand there before the gate, state their case, and there were elders in the city, in the city gates waiting for them, then automatically, unconditionally, the elders are to admit the fugitive into the city and provide a place for them to live. Admission process. Very simple. Can be simpler. Anyone can go in there. Verse 5. If the avenger... Let's read together. If the avenger of blood comes in pursuit, the elders must not surrender the fugitive because the fugitive killed their neighbor unintentionally and without malice aforethought. Unconditional protection. If right at this time the avenger of blood came to the city, chased after the person, get hold of him, but he is already in the hand of the elders. The elders must not surrender the fugitive, period. Unconditional protection. Verse 6. Let us read. They are to stay in that city until they have stood trial before the assembly and until the death of the high priest who is serving at that time. Then they may go back to their own home in the town from which they fled. We have unconditional admission. We have unconditional protection. But that doesn't mean those people seeking asylum, seeking refuge, can get away with it. They can stay in the city until they stood trial before assembly. Not before a person, two people, but a group of people selected. A careful process. In detail, how's the process? The Bible didn't say. But even if the Bible were to say it, I don't think you could possibly cover all the cases, including the George Zimmerman case. But at least the principle, the process, is there. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more because this is kind of the meat of this passage. Verse 7 and 8, let us read. So they set apart Kadesh in Galilee in the hill country of Naphtali, Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, and Kiriath Abar, that is Hebron, in the hill country of Judah. East of the Jordan, on the other side from Jericho, they designated Bethsah in the wilderness on the plateau in the tribe of Reuben, Ramoth in Gilead in the tribe of Gad, and Golan in Bashan in the tribe of Manasseh. A lot of names... But until we look at the map, we don't get an idea of what it means. Six places. Kadesh, Shechem, Hebron, 
Betsa, Ramoth, and Golan. If you look at the map, three cities on the left side or the west side of River Jordan, and three on the right side. Pretty much evenly, uniformly distributed. So that anyone who kills a person unintentionally can really run to that place. You can't ask me to run to New York. It's too far for me. But running to the city of Boston or Cambridge, maybe I can do it slowly. So they designated these six cities carefully chosen so that geographically everyone is equal, pretty much. Finally, verse 9, let us read, any of the Israelites or any foreigner residing among them who killed someone accidentally could flee to these designated cities and not be killed by the adventure of blood prior to standing trial before the assembly. Now you have thought God is addressing to the Israelites. But among those Israelites, they were foreigners, God-fearers in the midst. Israelites do not have privilege. The foreigners has equal right. Any of the Israelites or any foreigners. Today, white, yellow, black have equal right to go into such city of refuge. We get a gist of this passage. Now we look at what are the key points in this passage. Number one, it's telling us about the sanctuary of life, the sanctity of life. Oftentimes when we think of sanctity of life, we think about Exodus 20 saying that, thou shalt not murder. Or going back to Genesis, whoever shed, can you uh, keep going please, help me. Whoever shed human blood by humans, shall their blood be shed for the image of God has God made mankind. Genesis 9.6. Sanctity of life. We cannot kill anyone. However, in Joshua 20, he talk about so that anyone who kills a person accidentally or unintentionally may flee and find protection. Now, if you look at the Old Testament, it's always an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. If you, if you take somebody's book, you are to pay back a book, and if you do it maliciously, intentionally, you are to pay back four times. However, when it comes to taking life, no mention of four times payment, rather one-to-one. And if it's unintentionally, we need to protect the killer. Because the sanctity of life not only is extended to the person who is being killed, but also the accidental, unintentional killer. It's talking about the sanctity of life. Secondly, this passage talks about justice and due process. Next slide, please. Verse 6 is a key verse. 
He says these people are to stay in that city until they have stood trial before the assembly. And then there is a second condition. We'll look at the second condition a little bit later. The Bible is not very detailed in a sense, but basically is, first of all, before the trial, they have unconditional protection. Grace. After the trial, if they are found guilty, they will die. But if they are not guilty, forgiveness will be extended to them. Grace and forgiveness. Next slide. Next one we look at is grace and forgiveness. Next slide. We already mentioned that they are to stay in that city before they should trial and also after they are they are uh, being uh, appeared before the assembly and shown to be innocent. Next slide. Uh, how do we apply this to Zimmerman? I would say let the verdict stay because we will never be able to answer all those questions. It's going to drag the process longer. If there are demonstration, fine, because people can express. But riots, no. Should we pursue federal civil rights? I would say no. But should we change the law? I say we need to look into it. Further, I would say, how can we extend protection to Zimmerman so that he doesn't have to live in hiding? Forgiveness. Not only we look at kind of a civil case in the society, but we can look at it, apply this individually. When I was in elementary school, fifth grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, I was mostly a bully. I was short, I was small, but I run fast. I remember one time I saw a bigger boy who bullied me before, and I lined up to buy something, I bought it, he was lining up, and I said, this is my opportunity. So he was still lining up. I looked at his back. I said, there you go. Boom. After I punched him, I got ready to run. He turned around. I caught a glimpse of him. I thought he was the bully. But I hit the wrong guy. Oh, I ran for my life. But that guy stopped lining up to, to wait for his purchase and then chased after me, and that guy outran me. He had me on my collar, and he said, Son, why did you do that? And trembling, I said, I'm sorry, I, 
I, I, I, I, I, I stutter, and I finally say, I thought you were that bully, but I'm mistaken. That guy could have punched me back, but he just let me go. When I was in high school, our classroom has eight rows of chairs. Each one, each row has five chairs, or eight columns of chairs. Each column has five chairs. I was at the very back, and the front one, tall, big, but I'm the, I was the bully. We exercise it so that I would lean down, the desk and the chair are in one piece, and I would lean down and then use my leg and kick, push the chair before me. We have done it many times. The one in front of me got the signal, he would do likewise. And then finally, the one at the very front, he got pushed out quite a bit. And then one after the other, we use our leg to bend it backwards and pull the desk back. So he was totally isolated. The teacher didn't see us doing it, but when he turned around, he saw that top, top front row boy being pushed in the front. He got punished. This boy later on graduated, went on to study Hong Kong University. He graduated from Hong Kong University, went back to our high school to be as a teacher, and he became our vice principal. Eight years ago, I went back to Hong Kong. I looked him up and asked for forgiveness. I said, why don't we go out for dim sum? I owe you big time. So we went out. I wanted to pay. During the discussion, he explained to me why he did what he did when he grew up, etc., etc. And finally, he insisted that he would pay. He said, I've already for, forgiven you and other boys who did it to me. And if I accept you paying for the dim sum, then as if you are now doing the, uh, doing the, uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, paying it back, but I have to pay it. So he actually paid for the dim sum. I was a naughty boy, and I received grace. Next slide. Next slide, please. Uh, keep going because of time. Keep going. Okay. One very unusual description in this passage, it is until they have stood trial before the assembly and until the death of the high priest who is serving at that time. And when the high priest died, then... These people may go back to their own home. They no longer have to live in hiding in the city of refuge. Weird arrangement. But it is talking about a substitutionary atonement. The high priest die as if he die for the killer. And now the penalty has been paid. The society has to totally admit the person back to their own city. Next slide. And this is talking about Jesus Christ. First Peter chapter 2, 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross 
so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. He died so that we are forgiven and we are to extend forgiveness to others. Final last slide. So if you will, this is a total picture of Joshua 20. Sanctity of life, justice and due process, and also we need to have grace and forgiveness with Christ, substitutionary atonement at the center of it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage. Forgiveness is such a difficult lesson. We ask that you will help us seek forgiveness and also forgive others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.